I want us to read together, starting with verse number one, chapter number one. The Bible says, Now these are the names of the children of Israel which came into Egypt. Every man and his household came with Jacob, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. And all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were seventy souls, for Joseph was in Egypt already. And Joseph died, and all his brethren, and all that generation. And the children of Israel were fruitful, and increased abundantly, and multiplied, and waxed exceeding mighty, and the land was filled with them. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them lest they multiply, and it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Python and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were grieved because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of one was Shephra and the name of the other Pua. And he said, when ye do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, to see them upon the stools, and see them upon the stools. If it be a son, then ye shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God, and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, Why have ye done this thing, and have saved the men children alive? And the midwives said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered ere the midwives come in unto them. Therefore, God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. And it came to pass, because the midwives feared God, that he made them houses. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. Look back real quick at verse number 17. It says, But the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but save the men children alive. Let's pray together this morning. Father, I uh, thank you for this opportunity to preach your word this morning. Father, I and myself am, am completely incapable uh, to give any message, Father, to your people. But Lord, I pray by, uh, by the Holy Spirit, Father, by your help, that you would strengthen me. Father, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would use this message, Lord, to draw us closer to you, Father, to evaluate our lives, and most importantly, Father, to glorify the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. God, we pray that you would again watch over our pastor, our church, and let us be a light in this community, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to preach to you a couple minutes this morning on remembering who is in charge. Um, when you come to the first chapter of the book of Exodus, if you've read through the book of Genesis, there's some things that you realize, one being that God had brought his people into Egypt. Um, if you look back at Genesis chapter number 45, I have written down here verse number uh, 5 and 7, 
of uh, chapter number 45, where the Bible says, Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves. This was Joseph speaking, that ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. And verse 7 says, And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So by God's divine hand, God had led his people for the preservation of their life during this time of famine, sending them into Egypt. Of course, we know many more things that God was doing here. Um, but God had brought his people into Egypt at this point in time. And also God had blessed them in Egypt because of Joseph. You remember Joseph uh, had been uh, working with Potiphar's wife. Uh, and, and she had lied about Joseph and said that Joseph tried to lie with her and had him charged and thrown into the jail. Um, and he was there as an innocent man that had still been upright and living for God and was eventually taken back out and put in a very high position in Egypt to serve um, and that God had put him in and, and was uh, gaining favor with the Egyptians and with Pharaoh at that time. So God had gone before, before him and brought them there. Uh, and he had also blessed them once they got there and built them up. Um, he had built them up while they were there. If you look again in chapter number 46 of Genesis and verse number three, the Bible says, and he said, I am God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there make of thee a great nation. So he was telling them, don't be afraid to go down there. Go on in. I, I've provided for you. I, I will build you up and I'm going to make a great nation out of you. You're going to multiply. And that's what we read there in this first chapter of Exodus, that when they were there, they began to multiply and to grow and to become this great nation within Egypt. God fulfilled that when you look at verse 7, and it says the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly. I'd like to stop right there and say I'm thankful for the promises of God. Isn't that what he said he'd do? He said, go on in there. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to provide for you. And then we read right there that God did that. We can read all through the word of God and see these promises, these things that have been answered. Um, and just like what Brother Jim had announced, that Christ is going to come back. That is that is a guarantee. That is a sure thing. So I just want to stop and say that. So there they were in Egypt. They'd been built up and put in this position. And there had been a change of leadership take place. Uh, verse number eight tells us that there was a, a new king. There was a new Pharaoh that knew not Joseph wasn't familiar with him. Uh, he, he, he did not have this. Joseph didn't have the same favor that Pharaoh that he had with the prior Pharaoh uh, leading uh, leading up to that. And that led to a change in opinion. Uh, it went to respect for the uh, nation of Israel, for the Hebrew people uh, into being more fearful. Um, verse nine and, and 10 there uh, talks about them being more and mightier than them and and putting over them uh, taskmasters so that they could not rise against them. Their great fear at this point in time was that uh, if an enemy were to come in against Egypt, uh, that the Hebrew people would say, well, let's just join ourselves to them and let's just overthrow these people here in Egypt. And that brought in fear by Pharaoh because of them. So here they, they were here in a good position and then the ground started to get a little bit shaky on them. And that led to a change in their role and what was going on. Um, looking back at Genesis chapter number 47, if you look right here in verse number five and six, it says, Pharaoh spake. Now, this is where they were. This is the first Pharaoh spake unto Joseph, saying, thy father and thy brethren are uh, come unto thee. Uh, verse number six, the land of Egypt is before thee in the best of the land. Make thy father and brethren to dwell in the land of Goshen and let them dwell 
And if thou knowest any men of activity among them, then make them rulers over my cattle. So they were in this high role, but then it was changed to verse 11 through 14 there in the first chapter of the book of Exodus, where it says they set over them taskmasters to make them uh, have to serve with rigor. Um, I have spent, I uh, took Friday off um, to go on a little camping trip with my oldest son, Levi, and my oldest, well, my only little girl, Adelaide, um, and my brother-in-law, Brother Nick, working in the sound. And we, we took Friday off. We were going to camp Friday night and hunt yesterday morning. Um, and the amount of stuff that we had, you would have thought we were going to be gone for two weeks. And let me tell you, taking, taking two kids camping and having to haul all that stuff uphill down here, I became very familiar with what working with rigor is. It's a, it's a very oppressive, laborious job. It's a very hard thing to do, but they were, Forced to serve with rigor. They went from being in a high position to being having people set over them and, and having them constantly push them and having to build these treasure cities of Python and Ramses. And so basically what was going on here is life for the Hebrew people. Thing, life as they knew it was changing around them. And I would say that we, app, applicable today in 2020, can look around us and we can say life as we know it today is changing. Things that were, for some of you, 50 years ago is not at all recognizable now. Things that were they as they were when I was a young, when I was very young and a child are not as they are now. And I would even say things just 10 years ago, they don't even look the same anymore. And we are rapidly, rapidly changing with what we know life to be every single day. But I'm thankful that God is the same today, aren't you, as he was yesterday and he'll be tomorrow and every single day and we can have faith and trust in him. So knowing these big changes, the first chapter draws our attention to these two midwives, to these uh, these two women, Shifra and Pua. And that's where I want us to focus this morning is looking at these two women, how they were during this time of life changing around them and gain encouragement for that in our own life on what we can do today. You know, sometimes it's easy for us to say, well, my position in church or my position in life is not a lofty high position. You know, I, I'm not, I don't serve high in my church or, or maybe I don't do a lot in my community. Um, but every one of us that are born again Christians has responsibility. Responsibility to share the gospel with lost and dying world. Um, and, and that doesn't change regardless of our circumstance or what may be going on around us. And so, uh, let's look at these two midwives and then and then we'll take off after that. Um, the first thing I want to mention is in verse 15 and 16 again. Read it with me. It says, And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of the one was Shifra and the name of the other Pua. And he said, When you do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then ye shall live. So I want to, I want to say first, talk about what it was that they saw. Now, it doesn't say a lot about these two. It says the Hebrew midwives. In my study here, there's some debate on whether these were Egyptian women that served the Hebrews um, or whether they were actual Hebrew midwives. Um, it says here they were Hebrew midwives, um, and I believe they were Hebrew women um, ser- uh, serving the Hebrew uh, the Hebrew nation at that time. Um, but these were women that were, it was of their occupation to help nurture and bring life. And they were asked the exact opposite of what it was that their job was. And so what they saw was a very strange direction on what what was before them. 
um, they had, of course, you know, they would probably wake up and, and each day and they would uh, go out and, and find these, uh, you know, be called to these women that were in labor and help them to deliver their children and, and no doubt give these young mothers, especially the first time mothers, uh, a little instruction on what they need to do to, to nurture that baby and and, uh, you know, raising children is a hard thing to do. I know some of y'all have done it, and and uh, I'm trying to do it with three of them right now. And uh, you can use a little bit of instruction when you have your first one, especially. Um, I'll say with with uh, poor little Levi, when we first brought him home, um, it was probably the second night, and Miss Rachel, she was trying to, you know, figure out how to be a mother. And I'm thinking, what in the world have we done? We've got a kid. There's a kid in the house. What has happened? But, and I remember I was trying to change his diaper in the middle of the night, and you know they got the little tabs on the diaper, and I'm pulling the one, and and I go to pull, and and the other tab's not coming loose. I'm like, what in the world? And I turned the light on, and I got the little umbilical stump there in my hand, trying to tug on it, and so he was fine. Y'all go look at he's in children's church, he's alive. So I know y'all had things happen to yours too. So, but the the, the direction that these women saw things going was completely different, and, and I say I can say that. What we see, the direction of our communities, the direction of our countries, you see, and, I, and I'm not going all politics and all this, but just the way that we can see and perceive life around us is, is drastically changing the direction in which it is. And we must be steady in our faith. We cannot let the circumstance of what's going on around us change the way that we live as Christian people. Uh, it's not, it's never going to change as long as we're right here. The, the need for lost people to be saved. And that might mean that we have to, to really uh, draw a line on what we're willing to withstand or not withstand. Uh, you know, I'll say, and again, none of this is political. My politics is leave me alone, okay? So none of this is political. But when all this stuff started happening with the coronavirus and, and you know, everybody's trying to figure out what in the world's going on and church is being canceled and, and, you know, everybody's trying to wrap their minds around this whole thing, it made me have to really think, you know, there is there is some point where I have to, there's a line that has to be drawn in my life, you know, where I have to really consider, you know, what am I what am I willing to do or not do um, in my life, you know, uh, as far as serving God. And I don't think we've ever had to be challenged uh, very much with the uh, possibility of having to be uh, jailed, as we have seen happen with some pastors and preachers during this time. Um, but like these midwives, things were going in a strange direction. And that's what we're seeing today is things things are going in a different direction. I'll say, I'll say also that this was a sudden order that came on. You know, these midwives, they were uh, they would have been of a leadership role. Um, they would have been in a position in which they would have been over other midwives. And the reason I say that uh, is because if Pharaoh went to them, there would have been more than just the two midwives. And so it would have been by them to give the orders to the other ones on what it was that Pharaoh wanted done. And so the attack started with leadership. You know, we all have some form of leadership in our life, whether it's at work, whether it's at church, whether it's in our family, with our children. Our influence uh, is on those that are around us. And oftentimes, Satan is going to come after those that are in a leadership position. And to try to sway as much a multitude of people as is possible. But again, knowing this, that requires us to be steady in what we believe and in our faith. And not being willing to, to be wishy-washy or move 
back and forth. I ask you this morning, just to kind of challenge your own mind here, what if we did have some order come up or something that went completely against everything that we as Bible-believing Christians believe, then where do we stand? And we haven't had to ever face that, really. But what if that does come on us? What, what, what do we have to do to make sure that we are ready as Christians? You know, I'll be the very first to say, I don't ever want anything like that to happen in my life. I, I, like I said, i got three little children. The idea of me having to ever take a stand and stand firm and say, I'm, I'm not going to move from this position. It does not matter what the consequence to me is. But that's where we have to have our hearts. We have to be prepared. You know, John R. Rice said a casual Christian was never burned at the stake. We have to be ready in our heart at all times. Now, I'm not saying that we need to be uh, take a, a hard oppositional uh, position on all things and push back and be obnoxious in our faith. But I'm saying we as Christians, we need to get in the Word. We need to study the Word. And we need to live the life that God has laid out before us to live, regardless of whatever circumstance is going on around us. We need to commit to that. Listen, this morning there are thousands of people in this nation that used to come through the church doors and sit and listen to the word of God preached and sing the songs and worship with their brothers and sisters in Christ. But because some circumstance in their life has changed and things took a different direction, and they decided that they didn't desire the same fellowship with God as they had always had, or they blamed God, or they got bitter, or something in their life changed. And so they decided they were going to change, and they were going to hit the door and head out. We can't live like that as Christian people. It, it can't. It, we can't just be turned around by something that may happen in our life. We have to stay faithful to the Lord. But I would also say, after this order, it was a subtle method. You know, he says that, uh, when you do, uh, when you do the office of a midwife and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, kill him. If it's a daughter, let her live. In other words, when, when you are in, when you are in the role of, of delivering and you are able to witness whether this is a boy child or whether this is a girl child, and we can tell the difference, right? Amen. If it's a male, if it's a male, then snuff his life out. And if it's female, let her live. This would have been, I don't know about y'all. But for me, as a parent, that's not something I would just allow, right? This would, this is something, this is something that would have had to been done somewhat uh, subtle and somewhat secretive to to keep there from being a complete uprising against them. It would have been something that they would have had to be a little bit sneaky, if there's not a better word to use, to to do this in a large number of fashion uh, for people to uh, not catch on. You know, oftentimes the changes that that's begin to attack our churches and begin to attack us as individual Christians, they rarely come on with with force all of a sudden, but they're slow and they're step by step by step. You know, I've used this example before with our young people is, you know, if if when the devil does something in our life, he's just slowly dimming the lights. He's not flipping the switch off. We'd notice that, right? If somebody came in here and hit the switches, y'all would notice that except for the ones that may be asleep right now. But those of y'all that are awake, if somebody hit the switch, we would say, hey, who turned off the lights? But the devil works in a manner in which he'll go in and he'll just barely turn it, just a hair. And then he'll he'll wait a while. And then he'll come back and just barely turn it a little bit more. And then one day you turn around and you say, oh, it got dark in here. When did it get dark in my life? What was it that happened? It may Listen, most, most Christians that leave church 
are not taking the word of God and just sitting it down saying, I'm done and walking out. It starts with little things. They start to suffer in their study. They start to suffer in their prayer life. They start to suffer in their faithfulness to the house of God. We have to be faithful to the Lord with our Bible study and our church attendance and and our prayer life and our effort in ministry. This is how we are strong Christians. But we've seen enough of the weak and anemic Christianity take place. We need strong Christians today in our churches. It requires faithfulness. We can't we can't let the devil just sneak in and suddenly just start to turn the lights out on us. And we can't be foolish enough to think that if we overcome something, that it's just done and behind us necessarily, because Satan likes to come back and continually attack again and again. Charles Spurgeon said, when you think that you've put out the fire that Satan started, don't be fooled. He's just gone to get more wood to start the fire again, to build it bigger again. Uh, we have to be we have to have our eyes open and be vigilant to what's going on around us. And we can't, we need to know what's going on, but it doesn't need to persuade our life and change us, but just help us know how to deal with the changes that's taking place in our life. You know, there's so many things year after year after year that changes with our young people. You know, we've always been in a very, uh, had an interesting dynamic since uh, Miss Rachel and I have been here with our young people and that so many of them come here on their own accord. We either bring them or they drive themselves or they come with an aunt or uncle or, or a grandparent or something like that. And and you can see with these young people, we do our best to influence their life, to share the gospel with them, to tell them the promises of God and just how good it is to live for God. But you can also see oftentimes the attack that Satan has in their life too. Satan wants our young people. And if you don't believe that, turn on the news for 10 minutes and you can see what's taking place. All, uh, so many things, so many changes and these attacks as well on our young people. We can't be foolish. We can't uh, uh, ignore these things that are going on. But we have to pay attention. These, that's what these midwives did. I mean, they, they, they could have just said, sure, or okay, or they could have compromised in some fashion, but they didn't. It says that they feared God, verse 17. That leads me to the next point. It says the midwife, but the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men's children alive. They, they feared the Lord. You know, when I was studying this, it made me think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they when they uh, uh, they told uh, Nebuchadnezzar that they were uh, not careful to answer him. They knew the answer. They didn't have, they didn't have to uh, beat around the bush with it, did they? They knew exactly what their, where their heart was on the matter. Um, and the same for these midwives. It says that they they feared God. First thing that it mentioned, no, we fear God. That's not going to be our, our response. They probably heard the story of God's pro, uh, providential hand from their father's lives before them, knowing how God had brought them into Egypt, how it lifted up Joseph and the things that had taken place. And they would rather trust in those things than to just trust Pharaoh and his rule because they remembered the one that they should really be serving. You know, it would do our young people a lot of good to hear from us answered prayers and the work that God has done in our life. It is hard, again, with our young young people that I work with so often that are coming from homes that do not, that are not strong Christian homes, oftentimes do not have a mom and dad that are sharing with them the goodness of God and how good God has been in their life. But how many of us here today can look back at our life and say, man, God is so good to me. I don't deserve to be here today. 
I don't deserve a thing from God, but look at how good He has been to me and in my life and how He has blessed me. And we must, that's something we have to share with our young people that other, uh, that those people we have influence on that we're leaders over need to know because that helps strengthen their faith. I probably don't say enough and God's convicted me of this a couple of times, but so many of you older men that are in this church are such an encouragement to me and I need encouragement. Just, just being here, a youth pastor and song leader, and those of you that have served in ministry know you need encouragement and you need help and, and, and it's such an encouragement to me to see men older than me that have stayed faithful to God, that God continues to bless, that God continues to work in their life because we serve the same God. And I know that if I remain faithful, God will continue to guide my life, whatever path that it may be on. Um, so we, they, they feared God. They have a, re, they had a reverential respect for the power of God because they were familiar with Him. Now, God is a, such a powerful God. Uh, you know, you, you think of, uh, either your own life transformed or somebody else's that has been transformed. And, and I think of, of, of me, where I, where I would be. So I was saved when I was 13 years old, where I just know how bad I can be, where I'd be without God in my life, without the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ, where I would be today. I can tell you this, it wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be in God's house trying to preach God's word to the best of my ability. I'd be out somewhere else. But I know, I know the power of God because I've seen it in my own life. And, and He saved me and I, I know His goodness. And we need to let that lead us as God's power and His his uh, having that reverential respect for him. But also that fear leads to loving God. Um, again, these these midwives, it was their job to bring uh, bring uh, these children into life, to, to nurture them and to to show that affection and to help these these mothers. And it was something that was done of love. You know, a requirement for us to serve God is we have to do it in love. We have we have to love those that really don't deserve any kind of love, right? It's a hard thing to do, but we have to do it. I can, I mean, I could give you a list of people, right? Hey, I, I, I'm flesh and blood, human being. I can give you a list of people that I can real easy get a bad heart towards real quick. But I need to love them because they need the Lord. They need to be saved. And I need to either lead, lead my life right in front of them, share the gospel with them if that's my opportunity. We have to serve in love, you know, those of you that have been saved this morning would not be saved if somebody didn't love you and share the gospel with you. Somebody loved you enough to get up one day and to go out and do whatever it was God had them do. Maybe they shared the gospel with you at work. Maybe it was on the street. Maybe it was in church. But somebody listened to God that day and went out and did what God wanted them to do because they loved God. And you got saved and it taught you to love God. And we need to share that with others so that they can learn, too, to love God. That's what these midwives did. They loved God. I say also that they honored God with their life. They were faithful to God. He was faithful to them. Now, it says that they feared God. And it says in verse 18, it's, they didn't they didn't kill the men children, as it says in verse 17. But in verse 18, it says, The king of Egypt called for the midwives and said, Why have you done this thing and have saved the men children Alive, And they said that, uh, verse 19, because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered ere the midwives come in unto them. Now, through some of my study here, some people believe that these midwives were dishonest with the Pharaoh, that they were trying to uh, lie to keep themselves from getting in trouble. What I think was taking place here, I think when they had their heart set right towards God, 
that God blessed them. And that as they decided, what, here's my line and I will not cross it, they didn't have to lie. That those women were lively and they began delivering babies and God helped them begin to multiply and to grow and to get strong. Why? Because the midwives refused to compromise and to give in. They wanted to remain faithful to God. So in other words, as they were faithful to God, God turned right around and was faithful to them. Now, hadn't God done that for you before? You stay faithful to God and get your heart right. and God begins to open doors and answer prayers and do things in your life. They said, no, we will not do this thing. And God saw that and, and helped them. They didn't have to lie. God began to help those women multiply and to grow uh, that nation because of, because God, because they honored God. So the last thing here is what transpired out of this. Well, verse number uh, 20 and 21, it says, Therefore God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. And it came to pass because the midwives feared God that he made them houses. So in other in other words, the, the midwives were blessed. He made them houses and building up their families. Uh, I'll say as a, as a young husband and father um, that has young children, it is my desire that my household be brought up in a godly manner. I fail on a regular basis and have to seek God's forgiveness, but it is my desire that God would still use me to lead my family and to lead my children to salvation so that it is a generational thing in which they continue to lead their children and their children to serve God, the, the God of the Bible. And God blesses that, and he blessed the, the midwives for their faithfulness to him. Um, also, God's people were blessed by that. You know, when we are faithful to God, um, other people around us are affected by that. He blesses those that are around us. And and when we try to commit to, I, I mean, if we would commit to Sunday mornings and, and Sunday nights praying, whether it be together or just separately, I know, pray and ask God to meet with us as we're coming to church. But I know we have those mornings we wake up and the pillow feels good and we don't want to get out of bed. And trust me, after camping and hunting yesterday, it felt I was dead to the world last night. But but it's good to get up and to serve God and, and to be here on purpose. And our Christianity ought to be an on-purpose thing. It ought not be just a byproduct of our raising. It ought not just be something that's a part of our life, but it ought to be our life. And everything else ought to fall behind it. And when that happens, all the people around us are, are, are blessed and our churches are blessed. But then also, I'll say lastly, is God's plan move forward because of their faith. Now, God is God and can do things however he sees fit. But because they were faithful to God, then Pharaoh charged uh, in verse 22, charged his people saying, every son that is born, you shall cast it to the river and every daughter you shall save alive. Of course, we know from this is as God uses Moses and the faithfulness of his wonderful mother that just trusted God and, and put Moses out there. And God's God's uh, plan continues to move forward. If we're going to see God continue to do things and God is doing things in our church, I wouldn't have said the things I said before I preached, if I didn't truly mean them, and I thank you for Brother Bill for saying those things too. God is doing things in our church, but it, it can uh, come to a standstill. We can become a dead church if we become a dead people. And we have to continually make it a point in our heart that we will be devoted to God, that we will serve God. And like these midwives, we will remember who it is that's really in charge. It's the God of heaven, not our bosses, not ourselves, not the, anything else going on in our community. It's God. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes as the piano player comes on up and gets a song ready. Father, I thank you for helping me this morning to preach. Lord, I just pray that you spoke to our hearts this morning. Uh, Lord, during this time, I pray that anybody that uh, that you spoke to, Lord, they take this opportunity to do business with you, Lord. I thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen.